Well, that's all right, sir. Uh, I can take care of canceling our vacation plans, I guess. Perhaps I should assign someone else to the mission. Winky's only ribbing, Mr. Secretary. That's right. We'd rather ride the rocket, sir. <laughs> Make yourselves comfortable. Thank you. I don't know where this problem is going to lead. It's a job of troubleshooting. Well, sir, you know us. We're not happy unless we're in trouble. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Two dollars multipass. You're stupid mimes. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can. And sing at the same time. Listen. Well, hello there. Welcome to Celluloid Days, a podcast of film and film history. I'm your host, Jeff Kelly. We had a last-minute change to today's show. Usually at this time, the fourth Monday of the month, We talk about a film that has been shown on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and that was the plan, but unfortunately, my partner in these episodes, Nancy, well, let's just say that life got in the way. And well, rather than trying to do the show all by myself, which, by the way, was going to be the horror of Party Beach, I decided to wait till next month and do something different for today. So today, I'm going to do a biography of an actor that, well, he does have a connection with Mystery Science Theater. Now, one quick thing before we get started. I just wanted to remind everybody that you can email me if you'd like. I'm at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com. Days of Celluloid all being one word. Why should you email me? Well, I'm always looking for film suggestions. The stranger and more unusual, the better. And if you listen to these shows and have a different opinion or caught me doing something wrong, or just have more information to add, go ahead and email me. I can handle it. Like I said, it's at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com. Days of Celluloid, all being one word. I look forward to hearing from you. Now, let me tell you a little bit about myself. When I watch TV and films, I often wonder about some of the actors. Not the big names, but the other actors that many people don't think a lot about. I wonder where they came from and whatever happened to them. Now, during the early days of Mystery Science Theater 3000, they showed two films that starred today's actor. They were Manhunt in Space and Crash of the Moons. These were films made from a 1954 TV show called Rocky Jones Space Ranger. It was one of the only 50s television shows that were shot on film rather than live in a TV studio, so they were perfect for editing into a feature. One of the characters MST made fun of was Winky, Rocky Jones' comic sidekick. Oh, yeah. Well, the point is, I flew my invisible spaceship up here uh, and took time out of my hot and savage dating life, what with the beautiful, intense girlfriends. Oh, Winky, you go out with girls on dates and stuff, huh? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I bet you make time with the honeys real good, huh, Winky? (laughs) Sure. Winky, you've never even touched a woman, have you? Yes, I have. I'm, I'm a real swigger, and you can see I'm up here in my invisible spaceship. I did a quick Google search and found out that he 
was played by an actor named Scotty Beckett. And Scotty, well, he had issues and it didn't end well. I'll tell you now that this story is sort of a downer. It's the sad story of a man who just couldn't get his life together. His career started early. He was a California kid who was born on October 4, 1929 in Oakland and was discovered when he was entertaining his father, who was in the hospital, by singing in pig Latin. The nurses took him around to entertain other patients, and a star was born. This led to the four-year-old being discovered by a studio casting director who got him an uncredited part in the 1933 film Gallant Lady alongside Dickie Moore. Soon after, he was part of the R-Gang shorts. This was during the later years of The Little Rascals. Hey, Spank, do you still have to go on the stage tonight? He played Scotty. He also continued to play in films, including For Whom Gods Destroy. Here's a newspaper article from the Santa Ana Register, published on July 29, 1935, that I thought was a bit amusing. Dad Might Help. They were shooting a scene for Pursuit in which Scotty Beckett, tiny comedian borrowed from our gang, was supposed to cry. But Scotty didn't want to cry. I guess I'll have to spank you to make you cry, jokingly suggested director Edwin Marin. I guess you will, Mr. Marin, agreed Scotty to the flabbergasted director. But you better spank me hard. I don't cry easily. For a while, it looked like the child was going to have a great acting career. He was in such films as Dante's Inferno, Anthony's Adverse, The Charge of the Light Brigade, Conquest, Marie Antoinette, and The Youngest Profession. Well, that's all double boiled. Sure, it's my latest invention, combination helmet and canteen. You wear it while you march, and then you eat out of it. I've already communicated with the War Department. Oh, is that so? He acted along such stars as Spencer Tracy, Errol Flynn, Greta Garbo, Norma Shear, Cary Grant, Irene Dunn, and Shirley Temple. Quite a resume for somebody who couldn't even shave yet. His career continued into his teen years, appearing in films like Good Luck Mr. Yates in 43, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves in 44, Circumstantial Evidence in 45, My Reputation in 46, which he acted alongside Barbara Stanwyck, and the Jolson story, also in 46, in which he played the young Al Jolson. Oh, the moonlight's fair tonight along the Wabash. From the fields there comes the breath of human When he was 18, he signed a contract with MGM, but found that the roles that he was being offered were getting smaller and smaller. While attending the University of Southern California, the teenager attempted to continue his acting career, both in film and on the stage, while going to school. But the pressure got a bit too much. On December 20th, 1948, he was behind the wheel when he made a wild turn on Sunset Boulevard. He was seen veering off the center line and crashing into another car. He was arrested on suspicion of drunk driving. Young film star booked as Tipler. Juvenile actor Scott H. Scotty Beckett, 19, who played the role of Al Jolson as a child in the Jolson story, was booked today on suspicion of drunk driving, a felony, and tasseled with officers when he objected to being jailed. 
I want to go home. I won't go to jail, he protested before the jail doors were closed. Officers said he objected to surrendering his ring, wallet, and papers to the jailer. Two policemen held him when he attempted to run from the booking office. This resulted in a $150 fine, which is equal to over $1,800 in today's money. But we all make mistakes, and you know what? Most of us learn from those mistakes. Over the next few years, he continued to get roles and seemed to be making the transition into more adult parts. This was your first job, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Did, did the green show much? Not too badly. You'll do all right. You're a perfect junior. Oh, uh, a junior? Well, a collegiate, too. That's better. Corky, believe it or not, there are other studios. Give me your phone number. I'll call you if I hear of anything. Oh, gee, Carol, that, that'd really be swell. I'd appreciate it. Life was good. He was a handsome young man who was going to college and acting in Hollywood. The future must have seemed oh so bright. And then he fell in love. I assume it was love that caused the 20-year-old to elope with tennis star Beverly Baker in 1949. The two were married in Las Vegas. On the surface, they seemed like an adorable young couple. But things, of course, are not always what they seem. Just four short months later, Beverly sued Scotty for a divorce. She listed mental cruelty and bodily injury for the separation. She reported that he was insolent, arrogant, abusive, belligerent, and jealous. A judge ordered Scotty Payer $225 a month as alimony. By the end of the year, his ex-wife, Beverly, was engaged to another tennis star, and Scotty was getting ready to marry another young Hollywood star, Beverly J. Vickers, who acted under the name Sonny Vickers. The papers reported, Brunette beauty Sonny Vickers, who's under contract at Columbia, will be the next Mrs. Scotty Beckett when the former child star's divorce from Beverly Baker becomes final in June. They were secretly married in Mexico. Sonny Vickers' biggest film was one called A Yank in Korea in 1951. In reality, she really didn't have much of an acting career. And from what I've read, she suffered from alcoholism, which was maybe why she and Scotty got along so well together. They had a son, Scott Jr. And maybe, just maybe, Scott learned something from his first marriage and was going to make this one work. One thing he definitely didn't learn was not to drive drunk. The same year as his marriage and the birth of his son, Scotty was seen driving at night without his headlights on, hitting a curb and then another car. He was apparently intoxicated and was arrested again. But by 1953, things were looking up. He signed to play in a new MGM TV space show that, unlike other shows at the time, wouldn't be done live, but shot to film to allow for editing and special effects. Rocky Jones, Space Ranger, Space Ranger, Space Ranger. Since it was shot on film, it is one of the few 50s TV shows that still look brilliant in their glorious black and white today. Sleepy little fella nodding in my arms 
couldn't keep your head up if you tried. Take your ship of slumber where nothing harms. A ranger boy who's on a starfield ride. So in 1954, the young adult actor had a beautiful wife, a newborn son, and was starring in a revolutionary television show. All was well, right? Uh, not so much. A strange incident occurred on February 25th, 1954. A man walked into the Cavalier Hotel on Wilshire Boulevard, pointed a gun at the hotel clerk, and stole $147. The crook then struck the clerk on the head with his gun and left a note saying, don't call police for 10 minutes. In the morning at 7.15 a.m., Scotty Beckett was found asleep in the basement shower room of the Cavalier Hotel with the gun in his possession and, according to the papers, had $147 in his pocket. He claimed to have no idea how he got there due to his heavy drinking the night before and didn't even remember where he parked his car. Scotty was arrested for suspicion of robbery. He denied the charges, telling police that he now earned $500 a week doing the TV show. The clerk, who required four stitches, could not positively identify Scotty. He said, He does not look like the man. Some people think that Scotty was set up by bad guys for unpaid gambling debts. By March 30, 1954, a warrant had been issued for Scotty on violating the Weapons Control Act. According to the newspapers, Scotty, his wife, and three-year-old son skipped bail and ran off to Mexico. Now, if I understand the story correctly, three Mexican merchants had complained about bad checks that were written for a non-existent San Francisco bank. When the police went to the hotel to question the family who were registered under the name Mr. and Mrs. Sean Bullock, they saw Scotty trying to sneak out the rear door. When the authorities ordered him to stop, a gunfight erupted. Twenty shots were fired. But luckily, no one was hurt. Scotty, his wife, and child managed to make it to the car, but as luck would have it, 25 miles away, the car had a flat tire. That's when the police arrived and they were arrested. He was in prison for four months in a Mexican jail. His wife and child agreed to return to the U.S. An organization called Motion Picture Mothers began raising money to square his Mexican bad check debts. Now, Scotty had already filmed 26 episodes of Rocky Jones and was replaced by Jimmy Lydon for the remaining episodes. But once the first season was over, the show was just canceled. On a side note here, Jimmy Lydon, who starred with Scotty in a couple of Gasoline Alley films, said this of Scotty. Well, Scotty Beckett was a very bad young man. First of all, he was a very bad loser. I don't mean to bum-rap a guy who's dead, but I don't mind that with Scotty. It seems Jimmy Lydon didn't have any good things to say about Scotty Beckett. Strangely, however, Scotty was only charged with felony knife possession, all the other charges were dropped, including the robbery. I'm guessing that because the shootout happened in Mexico, he wasn't charged. 
I don't know. Anyway, he pleaded guilty. All this trouble, and he was only fined $200 and put on probation. But his probation included a ban on partaking in alcoholic beverages or frequenting any place where they are served. After his release, he planned to get back to acting. I hope to pick up the pieces, he said. But by December, he was arrested again, this time for bad checks. Don't you want to, when you read something like this, just go back in time so you can slap somebody in the face and say, get it together, man. Over the next few years, he got a few small roles on TV, but not much. He had pretty much given up on acting. Other career paths he tried were selling real estate, then selling cars, and he enrolled twice at universities with the intention of becoming a medical doctor. In 1957, the now 27-year-old was in the news again. He was arrested at the Mexican border on drug charges. He said the drugs had been prescribed for his wife by a Mexican physician. He had more than 250 stimulant capsules on his possession, and he told reporters, I am not in trouble. By August of that year, Beverly Jane Beckett, the actress known as Sonny Vickers, filed for divorce. In an odd turn, Scotty sought custody of their five-year-old boy, saying that his ex-wife should only have limited visits and only when she's not under the influence of alcohol. That's odd because in September, Scotty was taken to the hospital after an overdose of drugs. He was seriously ill, in a coma caused by narcotics or sleeping pills. Though newspaper stories seemed to vary, he was up and about a few days later. For the next couple years, Scotty stayed out of the news until one day in 1959. He crashed his car into a tree, resulting in a broken hip and fractured skull. Yes, he was driving drunk once again. While in court, he began to act wild, tearing off his clothes. Goes wild in court. Scotty Beckett of our gang fame faces medical tests. A former R-Gang actor, Scotty Beckett, 28, is under medical observation after behaving wildly in court. Beckett tore at his clothing yesterday while waiting to appear before a judge on suspicion of drunk driving. He will be kept under observation until a new hearing April 15th. He spent almost 18 months in the hospital, and in March of 1961, he married again to a woman named Margaret Sabo a Hungarian woman who had a teenage daughter named Susan. His behavior became more and more bizarre. In 1962, this story appeared in the Pasadena Independent News. The wife of former child actor Scotty Beckett reported to police yesterday that her husband didn't return home Thursday night after he suddenly disappeared from a restaurant. Mrs. Beckett said her husband was walking on crutches when he disappeared from a pizza parlor in Hollywood at 10 p.m. She said she had left the table for a few minutes, and Beckett, 33, was gone when she returned. I assume he was found somewhere, because in October, it was reported that he had tried suicide. The police say former child movie star Scott Scotty Beckett tried to commit suicide by slashing his wrists. Officers were called to the Beckett's home yesterday by his mother, Ruth Beckett, who told them that her son and his wife had argued and that the wife left his house. Beckett, 33, refused treatment. 
officers described his injuries as minor. And then in November, this disturbing story appeared in the Los Angeles Evening Citizens News. Scotty Beckett, one-time child actor in our gang comedy films, was jailed today after his elderly mother claimed he locked her out of their home. The woman reportedly told police that her son came home drunk at 12.30 a.m. and, after she called officers, had stepped outside to wait for their arrival. He locked the door. She said that she had tried the door again a short time later after hearing a crash, found it unlocked, and discovered her son had apparently broken a vase. Beckett, who gave his occupation as a sweater manufacturer, was treated for cuts before being jailed, officers said. There was another newspaper article that claimed that he had broken the vase by hitting it over his own head. Margaret filed for divorce in 1963. The reason, extreme cruelty, saying that Scotty had given her little love and affection. Sometime later, the 14-year-old daughter dropped by to pick up some clothes and he struck her with his crutch. He was arrested again. There was another suicide attempt and a psychiatric examination. Finally, after being sentenced to 180 days in the county jail, he said, I'm never going to take another drink again. And for the next few years, it seems like he stayed out of trouble. But in May of 68, he staggered into the Royal Palms Hotel, a Hollywood nursing home. He had been beaten severely in what is assumed to have been a drug deal gone wrong. Six days later, Scotty Beckett was dead. Apparently from either an overdose of alcohol or barbiturates. It is believed it was another suicide attempt, his third, and this time he got it right. The story goes that he left a partially written suicide note, but that had never been made public. Scotty was only 38 years old. On top of that, his second wife, Sonny Vickers, died six months later. Whether or not alcohol had anything to do with it, I can't say, but she was only 40 years old. We all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Oh, sit in the back of the bus. Like me up. You have identification on it? NASA, sir. NASA? I had no idea they hired There are quite a few women working in the space program. Least I can do is give y'all an escort. Three Negro women are chasing a white police officer down the highway in 1961. That is a God-ordained miracle. In 14 days, astronauts will be here for training. And we're shooting a human into space, and it's never been done before. A little bit before I go, you know, I can't help but think of the whole nature versus nurture thing. Was Scotty a troubled person from the start? Would he have gotten into this trouble even if he didn't become a successful child actor? Or did his problems begin because he was a successful child actor? Did it begin because of the way he was raised? You know, too much success too early. Who knows? There's been other child actors who made the transition just fine. I think it's one of those questions that, you know, just doesn't have an answer. Anyway, if you've got a thought on Scotty or Rocky Jones, Space Ranger, or anything at all, send me an email. I'm at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com, daysofcelluloid all being one word. I have a Facebook page, and you can reach me there. It's called Celluloid Days. And a Twitter page, it's at celluloid underscore days. 
Next week is the first week of the month, and that means we're going to talk about a film based on a true story, and that'll be Hidden Figures from 2016, the story of the incredible women who helped make the moon landing possible. I've actually never seen this film before, so it will be an adventure. And I have one more request before I go. If you could leave me a review, hopefully a fantastic one, at wherever you stream this podcast, I'd be forever grateful. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next Monday. Take care. Bye. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. The Dallas multipass.